And I stumble in the beginning, too, to, like, where I begin. Yeah. So there's usually a few extra cool. seconds where I'm like, yeah. okay, what are we doing? What's happening? Yeah. yeah. Where am I? Mm-hmm. You need a little dry So much in life is scripted, but this is unedited. Listen in as we have casual conversations about art and faith. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unedited. I'm Farley Sander Ford. And I'm Jennifer Chetlett. And in this episode, we are joined by our very special guest, our dear friend, Mark Sprinkle. Hi, everybody. Mark is a local artist. You're a writer, you are a an advocate for the arts, and you are a friend of Gallery Edit. Um, you did your undergrad in Georgetown mm-hmm. in fine art, right? And American Studies. And yeah. American Studies. You got your MA and your PhD yep. from William and Mary mm-hmm. in American, American Studies. Studies. Wonderful. So can you start off by just telling us a little bit about your postgraduate studies yeah. that you've done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I had been, you know, I grew up as an artist, but also not wanting to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to think about what, how can I be in the arts and not try to make it as a painter. Um, and so that meant museums or, you know, uh, academics, neither, mm-hmm. you know, at, at which point, you know, I didn't know which I wanted to do yeah. or if I did. But um, also Same. I just wanted to ask questions about what art was doing. I mean, what, what it does in culture and really eventually... My real focus was what it does in people's houses. Um, so, you know, I'd grown up with the, you know, art in the dark classes and, you know, I've been going to museums since I was little and saw that. But at the same time, you know, I see, m- you know, my little drawings on the refrigerator. I go to other people's houses. There's that. I was always curious. I had a number of people, you know, relatives who were artists. Mm-hmm. So I was also surrounded by art that, you know, was never intended for a gallery. You know, it was just yeah. different. And... Um, when you do the art history, especially if you're thinking about, you know, asking bigger sociological questions about what is art for, mm-hmm. um, what it does, there was just a real lack of attention since really the late 19th century to art in actual households and that as a, as an important place to experience it or mm-hmm. when it was really almost legitimate. Right. Um, so I, um, ended up going to Atlanta and connecting with an art agent there who had a sort of a network of artists. Mm -hmm. And she did a home show, which is familiar to especially a lot of of women who do, um, you know, handwork and or sell clothing. I've done a few home shows. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, Yeah. or trunk show. I mean, there's just, Mm -hmm. it's a really different way of approaching, you know, marketing or sales or whatever else. It's highly interpersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason you show up is not because necessarily, I mean, sometimes, you know, the person will have a following, but usually it's because you're invited by the host, mm-hmm. right? So it's on the basis of that relationship pre-existing mm-hmm. that you come and meet the artist, see the work, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, buy things or not, depending on your life, right? Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. a, there's an initial, uh, just a context of trust there and gosh, in art, that is so critical because we've come to this place where unless you are like fully immersed in the art world, mm-hmm. um, you, you, and even if you are, quite frankly, you don't know how to judge value. You don't know whether you can trust 
the gallery that this is worth that. How do I know, right? It's such a contingent value and the arts is so contingent now mm -hmm. um, that that kind of question is really critical. So all to say, she was doing this really interesting thing. Um, uh, friends and, you know, just people she'd met, she was being their advocate locally. And these artists were not only selling their work, Mm -hmm. um, and it was a range of kind of quality engagement with the great art historical narratives and all. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so she was doing that and bringing people together. So it was a really fascinating way to think of artists actually um, not just creating a market, but being reintegrated into local mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. And that just touched my heart as, a, as, as an artist much more deeply than the idea of trying to get out there and make a statement or do something so new or just, mm -hmm. you know, that yeah, I would, hard. yeah, so that I would have a place or yeah. at the other side being reactionary and mm -hmm. push back against all kind of, you know, postmodernist or whatever and say, well, this traditional form of painting is the only thing that's real art. Mm -hmm. So how do, how do I get out of those narratives and be back in a place where I'm connecting with human beings. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece was just looking at how people live with paintings and what does it do? What, what does art do in a house? Um, and typically, I mean, in a nutshell, I found out, and we all kind of know about, I'll, I'll sort of probably get this intuitively, art in your house usually tells the story of who you are. It's mm -hmm. a map. You, you were literally creating a map of your relationships, your history, mm -hmm. your identity as you walk through your house. So every day when you move past an object, whether it's something that your kid did and it's on a little shelf in a corner, mm -hmm. you're not looking at it, you're not staring at it, but you know it's there. Mm -hmm. um, or this painting that you bought on that amazing family trip you took. Mm -hmm. Or you ran into it in a totally different place at home that reminded you of that amazing family trip you took. So when you hang that in your house, you walk through, you're reminded of all those things that went around. So, And, and to me, as a painter, um, it reminded me of how powerfully images can hold abstract ideas, things that you can't just uh, wrap up in a bundle usually, like relationships, memories, all these kind of things. They can be really powerful triggers um, in a good way um, for those kind of memories. So what about the houses that are, and I don't feel, I feel like it's not quite as big of a trend now as it was maybe 20 or 30 years ago that are professionally decorated. Yeah. What does that say? Where you've not chosen anything that's hanging in your house. Right. And that to me is... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's funny, you know, I started out my dissertation, you know, kind of talking about that whole art doesn't go with the sofa thing. Right. Um, so on one hand, that's um, total garbage, right? Of course, art goes to the sofa. It, it, it's, I mean, and part of what I wrote was, how does it go with the sofa? How does it get integrated visually into uh -huh. the household? And, you know, so that's cool. But on the other hand, it doesn't because, yeah, there was this whole period. And I mean, you remember now. that, oh, like yeah. in the 90s, oh, I yeah, feel absolutely. like it was well, a huge thing. Yeah. If you had the money, you would hire some and they would come. It's basically now that's developed into staging houses. Staging. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So how do you make it look perfect? And gosh, in the age of the Internet and, yeah. and uh, Instagram, <laughs> here's this perfect thing. Right. So now there's the expectation yeah. of that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that subverts. It's not surprising. I mean, it just subverts the possibility of artists. And again, you've got not unlike the gallery owner or art consultant or whatever else, you've mm -hmm. got the, the designer or decorator there who is now standing between the artist and mm -hmm. the, the person who's buying, right? There's no connection you, if in that kind of setting. Right. I mean, sometimes you have someone who's like, hey, they really care about the art or they'll do everything but the art. And I feel then, like that says a whole other thing. Yeah. So there's this kind of gradation right, yeah. between yeah. Yeah, yeah, designers or thinking about the household as sort of a stage set. 
mm-hmm. or is something that's a little bit more organic, right? And, mm-hmm. and vernacular. That's deep. That's, like, that's you can go out. a lot of places with that yeah. whole thought. Yeah, my yeah. head's reeling right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, all right, yeah. well, we could stay on that. No, but I could, talk, I could ask yeah. you like five more questions. Oh, just that. about that. I know, yeah, sure, sure. I know. Well, can I say that my summation was of all that was like, yeah. it was totally interesting academically, intellectually. But ultimately, it gave me a different vision of how I could pursue the pain, uh, painting mm. as an artist myself, mm. right? Because I didn't want to do that other thing, but like to be connecting with other human beings, mm-hmm. to have my story intersect with theirs and mm. this object, and then be taken into their house. That to me seemed like a really powerful way to be engaged with my art with other human beings. Mm. So ultimately, I didn't go back and stay in academics or museum work primarily. Right. Um, I went back and started being a painter again, selling work, mm-hmm. and really being an advocate for kind of rethinking how we think about art. So yeah. that was finally where, you know, my postgraduate stuff took me out of the world that I went headed into mm-hmm. and back into being a painter. Yeah. yeah. I So that really resonates with me because um, I make a lot of, like, functional utilitarian yeah. things. And the, the idea of um, the mug I made being a part of someone's daily routine that yeah. they have caught, like, that's really meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, I make things, wedding gifts or whatever, that, you know, that it's meaningful to me that something I've made becomes part of their life, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, that, yeah. that affects, like, me in the, in the making of it, too, and wanting to make things that are, you know, made well and that are aesthetically pleasing and on and on. So I, I resonate yeah. with that as a, as a crafts quote unquote craftsperson. Yeah. Um, I feel like you are more in line with people who do what I do yeah, perhaps absolutely. than traditional yeah. artists. Well, and that's, that's that whole other thing too. There was this bifurcation, this, this split between the fine arts and the applied arts and, yes. uh, you know, art really before this, but really with the growth of academic art history, um, yeah. it, it became an academic discipline and that's yeah. where kind of most artists are being trained to mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we've lost that, you know, limner is this great word from, you know, 18th century where, you know, people would wander around doing, you know, portraits, but also painting shop signs mm-hmm. or the house or whatever. Right. So artists much com- more coming out of a guild tradition, yeah. especially itinerants, you do whatever, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have a great story actually about two coffee mugs that were just this rich history of who made them, where they came from, and kind of our life with them. So, yeah, but well, that's for another time. Okay, so you can tell us if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, we could. We could just stay on that one question. Um, okay, so we know you because you are on the U.S. board for World Horizons, right. which is our governing organization, ministry, ministry, home. ministry home for yeah. the gallery, for Gallery Edit. So um, that's how we know you, but I know you do a lot of other things, like how, yeah. where, where are you working now? Like what, yeah, what's your day-to-day a, life right. like it's now? Really funny. Yeah. I mean, people say, what do you do? I always say, well, I'm, I'm in the arts, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of always bounce back and, and forth. Um, yeah, I have not been, I mean, the goal this fall, a lot of things have, have come up, so it, it hasn't happened yet. Um, but the goal was to actually return to being a primary creative and actually paint and make frames mm-hmm. again this fall. So I'm still hoping to get back to that. Haven't been doing that for a while. Um, so because I've been doing other other things. I'll mm-hmm. uh, work on boards um, kind of on a, across across the kind of range of, of, art, of the arts. I'm on a board for Image Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been, we've been going through a pretty major transition and are really poised for some exciting there. It's a. It's you know, been around for nearly thirty years, and mm-hmm. is a place where um, 
especially you know, in writing, in the written arts, um, people really grapple with the, the mystery that's at the heart of both art and faith. Mm. Um, so that, that's, that has been occupying a lot of my attention lately because uh, I, I love the written word too. Um, so I, I like to write about art. That's been one of my other main projects over the past probably six or seven years is doing more writing than mm. actually my own work, um, well, my own visual work. Um, and then I've been just really working in the city here to try to connect people, especially artists in the church, mm. and try to recover um, that sense that the church really ought to be patrons of the arts mm. and not just Christian artists, but we ought to find the you know people who are doing good work, who are seeking after good, true, beautiful, including, I mean, true includes some really ugly things, right? So yeah, right. not just Absolutely. pretty art, right. um, but we you know, have a remarkable, especially coming out of the sense that what is art for? Um, and if, if, you know, my heart is totally tuned to this idea that artists for connection, uh, building community, helping mm -hmm. us tell our stories, we need artists to do that and help us do that. And there's so many things about the arts and the way that they help us um, wrestle with uncertainty, ambiguity, mm -hmm. mystery, you know, that very idea that you can look at an image and, and you bring, there is concrete stuff there right there it's an object and you have the intentionality of the painter or sculptor or potter but then you also bring your own sense to it so that's what's remarkable about aesthetic objects is that they can kind of resonate with multiple people's stories mm -hmm. well that's i mean that's very much kind of that um center the centering effect of arts is really something that we need um in the church now if we're going to reach um, not just anyone. If we're gonna, if we're going to be good citizens, if we're going to be mm. the church, we need a, a sense of how we can come at things from different angles. How we can invite people to see um, their lives differently and even the gospel differently. So I, I've been just trying to. The other thing I love is collaboration. Um, actually, I don't. I, I don't love collaboration. <laughs> um, it, I I am convinced that it's critically important. Is it like the group project in college? Is that what it's like for you? Yeah, where you no, like hope no, you get a good group? Yeah, these days it's more how do you get institutions to work together? Oh, right, right. Because, I mean, for years now, it's like I've been working out of um, Third Church in the West End. That's my church home, um, although I've been engaged with many others. Um, and so I've been doing you know, programming there over the past, I guess, almost eight years, especially kind of around uh, something called the Maker Series, which is a evening event. Um, mm -hmm. One's coming up in November. Um, but through that, you know, I didn't want it to be just about their church. It was really how do we connect artists and people who care about the arts in the church writ large in Richmond. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, I think it's necessary because, I mean, you, you do have occasionally church where they're like, oh, here are all these super creative people are all there. Mm -hmm. But then that becomes kind of an inward looking thing, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's, oh, it's the cool church where all the art people are. Right. And that's not really helpful. Um, on the other hand, you've got a lot of um, artists and creative folks just scattered in and amongst all the churches, which is where they need to be, right? Mm -hmm. if we're, I mean, this is kind of salting the salt, right? right? You need creative people everywhere. But often there's not enough critical mass in any one church of artists to, for them to have fellowship and community mm -hmm. and have a bigger project to, to connect you know, outside their own work. So that's what I've been very slowly, you know, just building relationships for a long time um, and just really waiting for um, God to, to say what's next, what's the, mm. what it, will it be? Um, so, you know, I, I often said that uh, my, my role is to convene conversations. And if we can, if I can put people together who need to 
share their expertise or their stories with each other around the arts and faith, then I'm doing something, you know, worthwhile. So, mm-hmm. so you talked about, um, of course, obviously you are a maker yourself. Okay. Are there any artists um, that are your favorites? Um, that kind yeah, of, I know that's a really hard question for me to answer to. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I ask it with knowing that that's difficult, or even like a period of time where works being made that is really cool yeah. that it really engages you. In yeah, it's funny. Way. I mean, yeah. That is a question right. every artist is supposed to be able to answer pretty quickly. Like, who's your favorite artist, right? Right. Um, yeah, and so I, but I probably have, like, you know, three or four uh, for different reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have always loved, um, I don't know, who, who do you start with, right? So, okay, so I'm going to position, I'm just going to say. Who are you going to lead in? <laughs> I know, right, right, because then everything else is a response to that, right? Right. So I can either say Mark Rothko mm-hmm. or Johnson or Sargent. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of those. I mean, I, Sargent is such, um, just a brilliant painter and yeah. just works with paint he loves i love the way he um just sees things too anyway so i, I have always loved sergeant's mm-hmm. brushwork um yeah. and his just attention to um uh, what's around him mm-hmm. at the same time i really love um rothko and just mm-hmm. for kind of the depth of color and just mm-hmm. kind of the psychological complexity there um Farley I, likes rothko too. oh cool Farley yeah <laughs> i mean this i my a lot of my work is about uh, just you know, underlying. I mean, it, visually, it's about animals and barns and and landscape. Um, but structurally, I really have a kind of abstract heart. I mm-hmm. love the the way I like to play with the boundaries and the edges of the painting. Um, whenever I start a sketch, I always kind of start with the square or the rectangle first, mm-hmm. and then kind of work within the edges of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think the way that Rothko kind of has these shimmering kind of little edges around the main fields yeah. um, mm-hmm. is just really instructive. It just you know connects with me um you know i did i came to richmond when in graduate school um to work at the vmfa doing curatorial research and i was working primarily on um john singer sergeant mm-hmm. i'm sorry i mentioned that uh, um, james mcneil whistler mm-hmm. and um i he's such a fascinating character um kind of he's he is he invented the modern um, artist as a type and profession. I yes. mean, just in his control mm-hmm. and engagement with the media is astonishing now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look back and see the, everything. The Ruskin work- trial? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, he's amazing. Um, and I mean, just totally full of himself. I mean, I'm, oh, absolutely. But, but also <laughs> just really neat. And, and I have his attention to kind of Eastern composition and some flatness. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, so there are ones that I like. There are lots of, there are others. I mean, I grew up with doing watercolors primarily. Okay. So Homer and his use of watercolor. And well, I mean, Sergeant both um, just were really informative. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Audubon as well, just from a, engaging the, the outside world, mm-hmm. you know, through the arts was interesting. Okay. But yeah, probably I'd say if I have to pick two, it's, it's going to be Rothko and Sergeant. Which are totally different. different. Yeah. yeah. Which is really cool. Oh gosh. And then uh, there's so many others. I mean, I love the, um, I'm blanking on his name now. Gosh, I can see all this stuff. Thomas Hart Benton. Mm-hmm. I like artists with, you know, three names. Three names. Yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of nice. Yeah, Benton, too. I mean, again, you know, it's not like I'm holding him as the, as the perfect person, but he was an amazing storyteller, um, and I love that aspect of, of his art. So, mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of names. Yeah. You have two, this is off topic, yeah. you have two middle initials. I do, yeah. Can you tell us? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of more sure, than one yes. name. It's right. E.E. E. Sprinkle. Yeah. Um, so my dad was Edgar Eugene Sprinkle the Third. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I could have been Edgar Eugene Sprinkle the Fourth. 
uh-huh. um, back in the you know late sixties. My mother decided she was not going to do that to me. Uh-huh. Um, so she likes to say she took the mark from the end and moved it to the front. Okay. Oh uh, well, so. I just became Mark, Mark, but I kept the whole thing. So, so that's where the E-E, the okay, it's yeah, Edgar I saw Eugene. that. All right, good to know. I was yeah. curious, thank you. you. Yeah, you know, kind of a little E-E coming thing going on. Yeah, but, you know, right, but, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's definitely yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of fancy. Yeah. Um, so I was l- looking at your website last yeah. night, um, and you seem to be a lover of words. Yeah, I know you write, you. but mm-hmm. just the idea of words. Um, we are also <laughs> lovers of words, Farley and I. Um, we have a, yeah, I'm going to tell them our list. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. We have a list of words we try not to use, mm. particularly because, like, they're overused right. in Christian circles. Yeah. So our list um, is authentic, mm-hmm. connection, intentional, journey, <laughs> Lean in. Ah. That's the phrase. Okay. And then interesting, just because it's kind of a well, right. it's 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 like a cop out. Like it's mm-hmm. easy to yeah. say. My my first art history class in at VCU for grad school, the professor was like, he has he. This is where it all started for me. He had a list of words that if you use those words in any of your writing or speaking, yeah. he would just. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So interesting was the one of the words that he said. It doesn't because it doesn't tell you anything, right? It right. Doesn't, right. Like, yeah, that's interesting. But why? Cool. All right. But so I, anyway. I didn't use any of those so far. Well, no, you might, have, and it's okay. We <laughs> it's don't. Okay. It's kind of a running it's joke right, between right, she right. and I. Um, mostly the the Christian ones. You know, sure. we're going to make an intentional, authentic connection. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How many times what? have you heard that in church? Yeah. So, do you have favorite <laughs> words? Can you tell us any of your favorite words oh, and why? Gosh. Or words that you try not to use. Either one. Do you have a list? Uh, too? I, you know, I don't have a list. Mm. Um, yeah, I really do like. I really like words. Because you used um, one earlier that I didn't know. Oh, I don't Le- know. Limner? Oh, yeah, limner. So, which is great. It's a great word. So, it's, um, you know, that it just meant kind of a painter, right? Except to limb something is to kind of to to define the edges. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you see that, like, in astronomy, like, the, the limb. Uh, like, L-I- L- it's L-I-M-B. B. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, limner just becomes L-I-M-N. Okay. E-R. But the limb is kind of the edge of the of the kind of the surface, um, mm. like when you look at the edge of the. So I learned like a new that. word. There you go. Oh, and it's also it's connected with liminal, um, so which is this other amazing, especially in kind of anthropology. So liminal is the space between. It's at the edge, right? So in, <laughs> um, you know, so like subliminal. Yes. Well, okay. it's like just below the mm-hmm. edge, right? Just below, below mm-hmm. the kind of surface. But really, like, so you think about kind of um, very traditional, like across the world, you know, coming of age experiences or things, what you do, they enter a liminal space. So you you go outside the community in order to understand where you are, and then you kind of, you, you, then you go beyond it. But it's this, it's like, you know, having a special, you know, room or building at the mm-hmm. edge that's outside of the normal society mm-hmm. that allows you to go and kind of reclaim it and then re-enter. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, liminal is just this kind of in-between space. It's neither kind of, you know, it's kind of like neither fish nor fowl sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's a great, um, that's a good word. Um, <laughs> let's see. There's so many, you know. <laughs> I, well, no, I'm, so what strikes me yeah. is I feel like um, we use the same words Mm. we don't push ourselves to find Mm. new ways to say things you know we kind of resort we create this vocabulary for ourselves Mm. and i know when i write i really try to 
be aware of the words I'm using. Yeah, I, yeah. Intentionally choose my words. <laughs> yeah, just um, in order to be authentic. Of course, yeah. and right. make connection with the reader. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, but I think we, we limit ourselves, and I think there are so many other good words out there that we well, aren't using. Well, it is true. And, and, you know, we've, there's this great book called um, uh, Caring for Language in the Culture of Lies um, right now that's really good. It's about... Um, you know, I, well, I love poetry, and because mm. poetry pays attention to words and right. what they mean, and the glory of, of words used poetically is that, I mean, especially English, words mean different things, right? They yeah. have histories. They, um, yeah, they, they, poetry holds multiple meanings at bay, right? You have to not quite know, and that's what makes it interesting. And so, you know, I think people don't really pay attention I think, to the real connotations of some words, mm. right? They're just kind of use it or start using it. It's like, well, but this is what I meant. It's like, okay, but that's not really what the word means. Right. Um, it's it, someone actually just used, was using the word potential um, about you know, something that's going on in the news right now. And I'm like, wait a minute, are you saying potential as in their possible future actions and where they're going? And they're like, no, no, I mean, it's like, it might turn out that they did something in the past. I'm like, that's not actually potential, right? right? That's that's purported, accused, whatever, but it's not potential. Right. right. You know, it's like potential means has the possibility, it has potent, right? It, it, it possibly for future. Yeah. You know, and it, it matters because you might not mean a word like you use it, but if you aren't attuned to what it really means and the connotations that it has, right. you're sending a lot of signals mm -hmm. um, that you may not mean or maybe you did mean them and mm. now you're not being honest. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I, it's funny just thinking about my own writing, um, especially writing about art, actually, but everything. Yeah, yeah sometimes, um, like if there's a, a figure of speech or a way, kind of a distinctive thing that I, I realize, you, know, you look back over your writing, like, oh, I do this a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if this is a good thing or bad. Um, yeah, I typically will string together two or three different words that when you're, because you're trying to sneak up on something subtle, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's important, mm -hmm. sometimes one isn't going to do it in English, right? Because mm -hmm. we have so many from so different and they're all so sort of specific. Mm -hmm. You have to use two or three, you know, to come at an idea from two or three angles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some other languages, I mean, we talk about the, the richness of Hebrew where one word has such a rich set of connotations that it, you know, they're, right. they're more poetic, right? There are fewer words, so the words have to do more work. Right. English has such a proliferation of words that they tend to be more specific. Mm -hmm. So in order to get the that sense of like what a Hebrew word might accomplish with just one, hmm. we have to do with multiples. Hmm. So yeah, I, I tend to kind of pile up adjectives sometimes. <laughs> um, I think it's great. So, I think it's great. Yeah. So anyway, I just, uh, there, there's a great word um, called cathexis, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's sometimes I just really like I like the sound of words. Uh -huh. you know? Words with X's in them. Yeah, well, that is cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And or or and it's interesting when you take words out of one context and put them in another. But mm. you know, or that have I mean puns. I mean, I grew up oh. in a family. You know, puns are fantastic. Yeah, they are. <laughs> well, and it's it's like you think oh they're so base, but they're not right because they're taking that surprising quality of words to mean multiple things mm -hmm. and and just kind of like, you know going for it mm. um so yeah i like words that sound like other things and can mean stuff so yeah i mean it's funny i've been thinking a lot about words because we we um we sent we've got two boys now at william and mary and so that was kind of critical mass that they got to take one of our cars so we we oh. got a new one which is awesome um but 
you know, we've never done the, the uh, you know, the special plate, the vanity tag before. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about it. And this is my wife's car, mm-hmm. you know, so which is a little hard because I'm coming up with like this oh, huge this list. Right. Of, oh, this would be awesome. This would be really funny. And she's like, okay, but that's you if it's your car. Right. I said, you're right. It's your right. car. Right. So we haven't found one exactly uh-huh. that'll work. But I've been sitting there, you know, going through all of these like words and how you can change them and squish them and, uh-huh. and all that. Give so, to give it characters. the seven characters. Yeah, or six if you want the James River Park one. So it's oh. even more. So it's it's a little bit like doing a haiku. Yeah. Right? How do you get as much meaning without being really obnoxious and pretentious? Because that's the thing with vanity plates, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So how do, you, how, do you under, how do you undersell it? Yeah. Right? How do you do it in such a way that people are like, huh, okay, but not like, oh, I'm so cool or something. Yeah. So, which is super hard. I have a friend who thinks it would be hysterical for me to get vanity plates that say pot lady. <laughs> Which I don't yes. have the nerve to do because I think I would be awesome. pulled over like randomly, you know, yeah. and searched. But exactly, it which might make some sales, you know. So it's like, no, I don't want to be my but right. how about this? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, These kind of pots. Right. Thanks so much for listening uh, to part of our conversation with Mark Sprinkle. Uh, please come back next week to hear the rest of it. There was so much good stuff. We wanted to keep talking. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can do that at podcast at reachthenations.org. And we would love it if you're listening on Apple iTunes, if you would rate us and leave us a review. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Unedited. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Gallery Edit in Richmond, Virginia. You can reach us at podcast at reachthenations.org.